Welcome to the Heart-Led Revolution Podcast. I'm your host, Rave Reed. I'm a women's empowerment coach, hypno-breathwork guide, and mentor to visionary coaches with heart-led missions. I created the Heart-Led Revolution to lead a movement. The mission is for us women to step more into our feminine power, to lead with our hearts, and to pioneer a new way of being. May every episode be a catalyst for your healing, your turn on, your wealth, and your freedom. It's time for us to lead, to be brave, to be vulnerable, to share our unique gifts with the world, to trust our intuition fully, and to live our lives unapologetically. Thank you so much for being here, for staying open, for staying curious. I appreciate your support, and I look forward to being with you in the show. Episode number eight. I am so excited to share this episode. It's with Dana Head, who is also my boyfriend, my partner, and we are just so stoked to announce our Alchemize breathwork retreat that's going to be in Sayulita, Mexico, where we met almost two years ago. In the episode, we get into how we met, Dana's first time doing breath work, why he's obsessed with biohacking and nerding out on the latest data emerging, you know, from the worlds of biohacking, functional medicine, longevity, self-care, human optimization, and flow states. If you've been following us on Instagram, you will see how we are so obsessed with contrast therapy and doing ice baths, all of which we will be talking about in this episode and we will be incorporating in our breathwork retreat as well. So Dana is a health coach who helps clients gain a holistic big picture perspective of their health through mindset work, nervous system regulation, functional fitness, and nutrition. He is certified by the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, a CrossFit level one coach, and a breathwork facilitator. I'm obviously biased, but I freaking love this man, and I'm so excited to share this episode with you and just have you get to know him more. And if you are interested in joining us in the Sayulita Breathwork Retreat, it is going to be March 16th to the 20th, 2023. So check out your calendar, see if you can make this happen. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. We are open to receive deposits now to save your room. We are going to be doing breath work every single day. So I'm going to be guiding hypno breath work sessions. And then Dana is going to be guiding us through Wim Hof style breath work and then doing contrast therapy. So ice plunges. It's going to be four nights and five days at this beautiful retreat at La Jolla. Go ahead and check it out. I'm going to also put that in the show notes. It is so beautiful. There's going to be local organic grass fed 
meals. All meals are included. There's a saltwater pool overlooking the ocean. The amenities of this place is absolutely insane. There's a sauna, a cold plunge, hot tubs. There's going to be a functional movement area if you want to do yoga or some exercise in between our sessions. There's also a beach right in front and you will have plenty of time to be in your own space as well to journal, book, massages, even if you want a specialized, personalized one-to-one coaching for me or Dana, that will also be an option to do on this retreat. And this is really for someone who is wanting to go and travel by themselves for the first time. This is a really great experience because you are in a group experience and you will be safe and there's activities to do. If you are in partnership, this is great for couples as well. Of course, you know, me and Dana will be there together leading. And this is also really awesome if you want to have a girl's trip or you want to bring your girlfriend. It will be a really beautiful opportunity to deepen your relationships, you know, whether it's with a friend, a partner, or even by yourself. I have been on one retreat before. I went to La Paz, Mexico, and I went by myself and it was so much fun. I got to really look inward and explore time by myself and also be in the space with other humans who are interested in their inner growth, their spiritual and emotional and mental health. And it was just so expansive to be in a space like that for a few days. We are providing all of the meals as well as a ride to and from the airport. You do have to book your own flight, but everything else is included. I highly recommend if you are coming to come to the retreat and then also stay a week after to go check out the town of Sayulita. It is a little bit chaotic there, but it is such a beautiful experience. There's so many activities going on. There's parties going on. There's restaurants to go to. I freaking love it. Me and Dana are going to be actually living in Sayulita for a few months next year. So if you have any questions about this retreat, please send me or Dana a message. We'd be so happy to answer and to see if it's the right fit for you. All right, well, let's dive into the episode with Dana Head and Joy, and I'll see you on the other side. Dana Head, everyone. This is my partner, my love, my best friend, and we just did an ice bath, right, babe? Yes, we did. (laughs) (laughs) And we've been doing one about every week. Can you share why do we do this? I know I do it to like push myself and to feel better and to look cool. I'm just kidding. Um, but I really don't know like why, like what are all the reasons why we do an ice bath? Can you tell everybody? Yes, I can. So yeah, a lot of people have been doing this lately. You've probably seen it on your Instagram. If you're into these sort of things, biohacking, self-care, uh, regulating your nervous system, There's a lot going on there on a lot of different levels for why we would do an ice bath. Uh, You know, a lot of people maybe have done it uh, when they were younger, playing sports or something for recovery because it helps with blood flow and it can help with uh, reducing inflammation after an injury or after you're really sore from something. So a lot of people have maybe done it in that context in their, you know, past life in sports and whatnot. But a lot of people are starting to do it in Another way now, because it's a great way to regulate your nervous system. So when we first get in an ice bath, cold plunge, cold shower, any sort of uh, 
intentional cold exposure, what's happening is we're first sending our body into our sympathetic uh, fight or flight or freeze mode. Essentially, our heart rate is going to go through the roof. Uh, our blood flow is going to go from our extremities into our core to uh, warm up our core, our heart, all our vital organs, everything like that. So our body's going to go into this like panic mode. We're going to start hyperventilating because we're, we're essentially putting our body into shock. Yeah. I mean, if you've done this, you know, that experience you get in and your breath has been normal and you get in and your body immediately starts wanting to be (gasps) my shoulders like rise up and I feel like I'm like super tense. Exactly. All the muscles in your body are going to want to tense up. And this is because you're exposing your body to something that's going to put it very quickly into that sympathetic system. So why would we do this? You know, I think a lot of us spend most of our time overly in a sympathetic state. And so you'd think we'd want to be doing things that are going to get us into a parasympathetic state. So doing this intentionally by putting ourselves very quickly into this sympathetic state, what we can do is learn to use our breath to control our heart rate and bring ourselves very quickly from going into a very peaked and spiked sympathetic state back into a parasympathetic state. So by taking long inhales and then even longer exhales. Well, a good cue that we give people is to double their exhale length to their inhale length. We can actually learn to use our breath to control our heart rate and switch between that sympathetic state into back into a parasympathetic state where you're relaxed and your heart rate slows down. The cold actually doesn't seem to affect you as much. You finally get to a place where you're comfortable and you can stay there and enjoy it. So that's some of it. There's a whole lot more, but that's that's part of why we do it. Yeah, and I freaking hate the cold. I mean, I am like always cold and you, Dana, you're like sweating all the time and I am like always needing a blanket or extra clothes on or a jacket and he's just like sweating like sweat (laughs) dripping down his face and i'm like what like why am i always so cold so what would you say to somebody who is like me who's like oh hell no i would not do an ice bath like i'm already always so cold like what what would you say to them okay well first of all i also hate the cold i grew up in colorado and i got out of there pretty much as quickly as i don't even like snowboarding just because of the cold don't even like skiing don't even like snowboarding i don't like being in cold places uh, so if you are someone who does not want to do an ice bath because they feel like they're always cold, you're not alone. We both do not like the cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I can tell you, uh, for various reasons, you're going to feel really good afterward. So one of those reasons is, uh, purposeful or intentional cold exposure is one of the only thing that's shown to spike and increase your dopamine levels and have it last for hours afterward. So most other things that give us an increase in dopamine, it's a very immediate hit of dopamine and then it's going to go away. So dopamine is one of those feel good neurotransmitters that makes you want more of whatever it is you're doing. So, you know, one of the things that really lights up dopamine is cocaine. Obviously, we're not (laughs) going to be doing cocaine every day. But if you ever have or what you know about cocaine is it gives you that really good feeling of euphoria, a lot of energy. So an ice bath is going to kind of do the same thing. It's going to give you this really big spike of dopamine and neuroepinephrine and epinephrine or other words for adrenaline. So you're going to get this nice rush of euphoria, of feeling good, of energy. And unlike most other things that spike dopamine, you're going to feel really good afterward for a long time. 
So basically, we're doing ice baths so we can get over our addiction for co- from cocaine, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, We've never been into cocaine. So. No, but honestly, <laughs> I know that uh, you know you hear stories that ice bath has helped people uh, with addiction from whatever it is. It's one of those things that can really help people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how long do you need to do an ice bath for to actually get this effect? So. Any sort of cold exposure can have some beneficial effect. The In a lot of studies that they've seen, the sweet spot is about 11 minutes per week. So that doesn't matter whether you're doing it in uh, two-minute increments across the week or you do all 11 minutes at once. Although, depending on how cold the water is that you're doing it, I would not necessarily recommend doing that. But really just doing this at all in any sort of amount of time is going to you're going to see some benefit uh, because you are doing that switching in your nervous system. You're getting yourself to increase your dopamine and your neuroepinephrine and epinephrine or adrenaline. And you're also has metabolic effects, too, where those neurochemicals that you're increasing are actually packing into your cells so you can increase your uh, beige and brown fat. So most of our fat cells are sitting in this state where they're considered white fat cells. But when we increase those neurochemicals, the epinephrine and neuroepinephrine pack into the cells and create more mitochondria, which makes your cells uh, burn more efficiently, burn fat more efficiently. And then that causes them because they're more dense with those mitochondria that causes them to turn to like a beige or brown color. So it has all these metabolic effects too that are really good for your health. Amazing. And if someone were to say, sign up for our retreat in March, (laughs) a little (laughs) little teaser there, and they've never done an ice bath before, but then at our retreat, we happen to have cold plunge and breath work and all of that. How, if they were to come to that retreat, like how could they prepare for that? Or do they need to prepare? No, I mean, I don't think you necessarily need to prepare. There is, if you, you know, if you have no access to a cold plunge tub, to a cryotherapy place, something like this, you can really even start just trying this in your shower. You can turn your shower at the end of your shower to as cold as it will go, or you can incrementally turn it from hot to cold. And again, the key here is as that cold water starts to hit you, try and control your breath. So, you know, long, slow inhales and even longer exhales, either out through the nose or out through the mouth. But you want to try and use your breath to really like regulate your heart rate and make so you're not just in this panicked, uh, shocked mode where you're hyperventilating. Yeah, I think that's a really good place to start is taking a cold shower. How long though? Again, you could start with just 30 seconds at the end of the end of your shower. I know, again, especially if you're just doing this as part of your daily routine, you don't necessarily have an extra four to six minutes to tag on to the end of your shower. But a good way to start is, yeah, just do your normal daily shower or whatever, every other day shower, whatever is your routine. And at the end, turn it as cold as it can go and let it actually go over the top of your head, over your face, because cold water hitting your body in different places has different effects on your heart rate and everything. Uh, Do it for 30 seconds to two minutes. And as you get out of the water too, think of something that makes you feel powerful or something so that when you get out, you don't have this negative connotation with the cold. Think of something that makes you feel good, makes you feel powerful, makes you feel like you've achieved something. 
Yeah. Or for me, I feel like I start to think about something that I want to overcome. So if I'm like, Ooh, I want to manifest more money or I want to feel a release from stress from work or something like that. I like actually bring that into the cold plunge experience. And I'm like, okay, if I can do this cold plunge and I can get through this hard feeling, then I can like, you know, transfer that and other hard things in life. That's really good because that's so much about what this experience is too, is like, I've been kind of talking more about the biological and physiological effects and everything else, but there's also this just uh, mindset uh, shift that happens with it too. It's we do hard things, not only in the moment because uh, the physiological effects, but yes, exactly. Like you said, when you choose to do these hard things that you don't necessarily like to do in the moment that translates into every other aspect of your life too. When hard things do come to you, cause we don't get to choose when these things come to us in life. The more you can practice doing hard things when you do choose to do them, the better you're going to be equipped to handle those hard things when life throws them at you. Yeah. And I guess the question, at least when I first started was, could I like literally like freeze or die from like being too cold? You know, <laughs> like, like how cold is it when we do an ice plunge? And like, yeah, like what is the degrees ex exactly? Yeah. So there you can get it too cold to where it could actually be uh, dangerous for you. So uh, Andrew Huberman is somebody I listen to a lot, uh, who is a professor of neurobiology and ophthalmology at Stanford university and has a great podcast that covers a lot of biohacking and health topics. Uh, one of the things he says is it should be uncomfortable because again, that is the whole point. But if you are in it after say 90 seconds to two minutes and you truly just feel like it is not getting any better. It is not becoming to a place that is bearable. Uh, you should not do it any longer. So if we're looking at it at a temperature range, anything from about 50 degrees Fahrenheit and, and below is going to be beneficial. That's your, your body is going to have some effect to that. If you've done this a few times and you really want to start pushing it, you can get it down below 40 degrees. I think probably the coldest we've ever done it was somewhere between 34 to 36 degrees. Yeah, I was like, what do we usually do? Yeah, I would say we're usually anywhere from 35 to 40 degrees. Okay. Uh, we've also done it in nature. You know, we were just up in Vancouver, British Columbia, and we went to a place called Lynn Canyon, which is a natural kind of creek runoff area of glacier water, mm -hmm. uh, crystal clear blue water, uh, no idea how cold it was. So, well, that's why I was like, if you were, if someone were to be out like at Lake Tahoe or somewhere where there's like ice, like, would you recommend them just jumping in or do you need to have like a little thermometer to make sure it's not too cold? Especially if you're ever doing this in nature or, you know, not in a controlled setting, a, it's always good to make sure you have somebody with you. If you're doing it in any sort of body of water, you want to make sure you can always touch the ground. You never want to get into cold water where you're not able to stand up in that water. And you shouldn't do that if you're not experienced either, because yes, the sympathetic system, the shock that your body initially feels, especially if it is really cold, could put you into such a state of shock that you're actually unable to swim, unable to keep your head above water. So you don't want to do this on your own. You don't want to do this if you're not experienced out in a natural body of cold water. I would say start with a shower, 
and work your way up doing intentional cold plunges with ice. Or if you have a place around you that you can go that has some of these newer systems that are filtered and cooled without ice, uh, try that before you go try this somewhere out in nature. Yeah. And this is something that we are doing, like even with just our friends, we are guiding people through breath work and then guiding them with the ice bath. So I like that you mentioned like having someone next to you and supporting you and guiding you. Like, what does that look like exactly? And how can we make sure that people feel supported when they are doing an ice plunge? Yeah. So, I mean, it really depends on if you're just doing the ice plunge or if you're going to mix in the breath work beforehand. So probably a lot of you have heard of Wim Hof, who has really popularized both the breathing, one of the breathing techniques that can be used before this, and also the uh, intentional cold exposure. He's really probably the most well-known person who does this and has broken world records. I and love it's, him. Yeah, totally changed his life and changed so many other people's lives. I'm too. like, can you be my father, please? <laughs> He's seriously, so cute. Seriously. And his story is amazing. If anybody's seen um, the episode on Goop, they have a whole episode on Wim Hof. And they just talk about his story and how I think he has like three or four kids. And when they were really young, his wife, um, was dealing with depression and she actually jumped off like an eight story building or something like that. And I think her children were in the room when she did it. Mm -hmm. So he just like went through this big loss and a lot of grief. And he just shares his story about how, you know, she committed suicide and he was left with, you know, the grief and the sadness, but also raising the children by himself and how he got through it was by working on the breath working with cold and cold exposure. And then the third one I believe is mindset work. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, I mean, back to the question of how do you kind of create community around this or support with it too, is, uh, you know, even if you're just doing the cold plunge, doing it with somebody either alternating, if you have a tub and there's only room for one, or, uh, yeah, if there is room to do it, you do it together. But again, depending on how cold it is, it is always good to have somebody that's not necessarily doing it essentially as a spotter, just in case anything goes wrong. And to like time. And to time. Right? Yeah, and it's good to keep track of time. You also look at something on your whoop. Yeah. Okay. So I wear <laughs> a whoop, which that. is like basically a biometrics uh, strap that uh, measures your resting heart rate, your active heart rate, your heart rate variability. I use this for a lot of what I do with my fitness, uh, CrossFit workouts, high intensity interval training, tracking my sleep. But when I do it, I actually am watching my heart rate while I do it too. So I can actually see on my phone from my uh, band on my wrist that when I first get in, my heart rate kind of jumps through the roof. It jumps up from a normal resting heart rate of mid 50s up to 80s or sometimes even 90s. But if I'm really focusing on my breath and really dropping into that zone, I can bring my heart rate down. And when your heart rate goes up like that, that means your body's going into a sympathetic mode, right? Where it's almost like a freeze and then fawn yeah right exactly well so your body wants to like run away yeah fight flight or freeze so yeah. it's your body's like autonomic nervous system autonomic is another word for automatic essentially just by putting yourself in this state 
your body is saying, okay, we got to do something. Yeah. It's like you want it. Your mind is like, I want to get out now. Yeah. Right. So how does somebody like when they are feeling that, like, cause I feel like when I first started doing it and I still feel this right when I get in, your mind instantly goes to get the fuck out. (laughs) This hurts. I feel like I'm being hit with like pins and needles. So I think something that we always tell people is like your body knows exactly what to do. Your body knows how to regulate itself and it's really just mind over matter, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you you can see like if you are wearing some sort of uh, strap or biometric measuring device, yeah, you can actually see that, you know, digitally on a screen that your heart's going to go through the roof. But if you use the breath and you're able to kind of control that and get out of that sympathetic state through the breath, you can see that you can then bring your heart rate back down to either your normal resting heart rate or because of the cold, the cold does eventually slow your heart rate down. You can actually bring your heart rate down lower than your normal resting heart rate. Yeah. And I think this is really similar. Like when we lead longer breath work journeys is like all of these sensations come up, right? Like cramping and lightheadedness, tingliness, vibrations, all of those things. But the trick is when you start to feel those sensations and in the ice bath, you feel like the pins and needles, the mind racing, it's all the same thing. Like in the first song of when you do a breath work journey, But the key is to not attach yourself to those uncomfortable sensations, right? Like it's so easy to be like, oh, this hurts. I can feel the vibrations in my skin. Like, why are my hands clamping up? Oh, it's like my toes like are freezing. They're going to (laughs) break off my foot right now. You know, like instead of focusing on that, like coming back to the breath. So I think what the breath really primes us for in the ice plunge is so similar. It's the same kind of uncomfortable situation and uncomfortable feeling of, is this going to last forever? You know, and is this going to like, why does this hurt so bad? And it's like the same thing in life. Like when we go through hard times and when we are having anxious thoughts or we're feeling really worried, you know, rather than perseverating on that and just losing ourselves and spiraling down into those negative thoughts is to come back to the breath and the breath brings us into the present moment. And as soon as we can focus on, you know, the inhale and the exhale, and we just focus on the inhale, the exhale, inhale, the exhale. Then it's like your mind can't then focus on those uncomfortable sensations and all of those thoughts that are running wild. So that's why I think, yeah, being able to focus on the breath is so powerful. Yeah, 100%. You nailed it there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so is an ice plunge under the umbrella of biohacking? And like, what is biohacking? Sure. Yeah, it's definitely a tool that uh, would get categorized under biohacking, probably. Uh, biohacking probably has a broad range of definitions, depending on who you ask. But essentially, uh, you know, it's taking hacking that you think of from computer programming, uh, finding a way to do something better or to tap into uh something that is going to create better efficiency within programming uh, or hacking you can think of too from a video gaming term is if you have like a hack or a cheat code essentially it's going to get you uh something that you were not able to have access to before you're unlocking something so throwing the word bio in there on a prefix prefix to that is you are tapping into or unlocking potential into your biology or into your health that is not available to you by just doing life the regular way, right? Mm. So yes, something like doing an intentional cold exposure 
is definitely a biohacking tool. You are tapping into this part of your body and you're able to train your body and unlock all these neurochemicals that you normally are not able to have these huge surges of without using tools like this. So biohacking is a category of different tools, techniques, lifestyles, uh, and things that you can do to really increase your health, your mental health, uh, feel better. Yeah. I'm curious if like the thing that all of these tools have in common is it, do they all just help bring a human into the present moment? Is that what it is? I would say so in some ways, for sure. I don't know that a lot of people that necessarily consider themselves biohackers or what they're doing, they might not think of it that way, mm-hmm. that what they're so it's doing It's like laser is- focus, right? Essentially, yeah. Because I feel like we can't, you know, when it comes to thinking about meditation and things like that, like truly the practice of meditation and mindfulness and even like an ice bath or breath work is the key is to be in the present moment. And anytime you think about something outside of you or something that you can't control or what you're going to do tomorrow or, or feeling regret of what happened yesterday, then we're not in true bliss or true happiness. And the only way that we can surrender and be happy is through the present moment. But I feel like maybe biohacking can help us get there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, it, it, essentially all of these tools and techniques are going to get us more in touch with our body anyway. So the more we are in touch with our body and the more we can sense our intuition and we can know intuitively what our body wants, whether it's sleep, whether it's a certain type of food, whether it's a certain macro within food, you know, the more we learn to be, uh, you know, deeply connected with our bodies like that, then yes, the more we're going to be able to tap into that present moment as well. Mm -hmm. Be more productive and Mm -hmm. more focused and get more shit done. (laughs) But like, what are some other examples or other biohacking tools? So we've talked about breath work, ice plunge. Mm -hmm. What else is there? So uh, you could look at intentional heat exposure, things like sauna, hot tubs, steam rooms. You're getting uh, similar effects that you get to cold exposure, but on the opposite end of the end of the spectrum. And you can even combine those and do what's known as contrast therapy, which is essentially doing cycles of going into deliberate heat exposure, such as a sauna, and then directly into cold exposure. And again, that's going to accelerate and amplify the effects that you're getting across these things and swapping in and out of that sympathetic and parasympathetic state and uh, doing vasorestriction and vasodilation, essentially opening your blood vessels, having all your blood go from your extremities to your core, and then reversing that process. Uh, Other ways of biohacking are using periods of time-restricted eating or fasting or intermittent fasting. There's a lot of different words for it, but essentially uh, shortening the window during the day in which you consume food. Uh, You know, when your body is having to break down food every time you're eating, there's a metabolic process that's going on in your body to break down that food into energy for your cells right? If you think about it like a car, if your car is constantly driving, you're never turning it off. You're never giving it time for routine maintenance. That car is going to eventually run into problems, right? So think about it when you're digesting food, you have to give your body time to not be constantly working. The process of breaking down food and energy is a 
energy consumptive process, right? So you have to give your body time not to do that. So those are all, those are some examples of other biohacking processes. I mean, it can cover sleep, it can cover wake time, it can cover eating, it can cover light exposure, it can cover temperature. There's so many different things. Basically optimizing human performance, right? So how can you set yourself up to have the best day, like the most productive day? Well, again, there's a lot of variability there because, you know, people have different uh, chronotypes, whether they're morning people, night people, whatever. But let's see. Let me give like an example of what an ideal day would look like for me or something. Mm -hmm. Right. So I do feel like I am more of a morning person. I feel like I have my best synergy and I'm most productive in the morning. You definitely are. Definitely. You wake up Waking up. Yeah. And it's, and it's easy for me. I'm like, give me 10 more minutes, please. (laughs) 10 more minutes. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, kind of an ideal day would be to, um, wake up immediately. If you're, if the sun is already coming up when you're waking up, you want to get outside, you want to get some natural sunlight in your eyes. There's a big part of getting natural light into your eyes and onto your skin that helps mm-hmm. set up your uh, your chronological clock for the day. That sets up for your, your, your sleep cycle. By getting natural light into your eyes, you are letting your body know that, hey, it's daytime. So it's going to mm-hmm. start this process that your body needs to go through anyway. And then... I personally would like to do some sort of cold exposure early in the day because, yes, again, you're going to increase your dopamine. You're going to increase your adrenaline. These are all things that you want to spike during the beginning of the day. Mm -hmm. You're going to have this natural energy or I I feel like I have this natural energy that makes so I wouldn't even necessarily need coffee or anything. Yeah. I also like to do whatever movement I'm going to do early in the day. Uh, So for me, that's a high intensity type interval workout. Uh, and I I, personally love to do an ice bath, like around one or two, which is usually when I, the coffee wears out and I want to take a nap. So yeah, I feel like that is a good replacement for instead of having a second cup of coffee or fifth cup or whatever by (laughs) afternoon, it's like, let's do an ice bath. Exactly. And that's going to last longer and it's not going to mess with your sleep the way necessarily caffeine is if you're drinking caffeine late into the afternoon. Mm -hmm. Do you mean like on your skin or just like... Obviously, you don't want to stare directly at the sun. That's not great for your eyes. But, uh, you know, we so often are told by dermatologists and everyone else that uh, we don't want that much sunlight on our on our skin or in our eyes because mm. it can be bad for it. So we're constantly putting on these UV protective sunglasses. We're constantly putting sunscreen on. And of course, too much of anything is, is not necessarily great. But especially in the morning, we do want to actually let sun onto our skin. And when I say into our eyes, no, we're not looking right at the <laughs> yeah, sun. Like but you should be out there without sunglasses. You should let sunlight mm. be indirectly coming into your eyes. That's so, interesting because I feel like people are so, you know, always need their sunglasses. Yeah. So yeah. you're saying we don't need to always wear them. A hundred percent. Yes. And this is also why we live in Hawaii, San Diego, and Mexico. It's because we love to get We're big fans of the sun. We're sun babies. And the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know how people do it. I don't know. Living in the cold and the dark. I I would be depressed. This is why I don't live in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Even though Colorado is very sunny, it's just uh, during the winter, sun goes down too soon. So, I would definitely say, like, four tips to become your best self to optimize human performance is 
sunlight within an hour of waking up. Number one, number two, do an ice bath. Number three, do like 20 minutes of breath work. And the fourth one that I want to add in is actually taking intuitive action right away on your goals. Do it right away. Especially when we do these type of biohacking practices, I feel like this is the time when I start to open my mind and see different perspectives and I get new insights and ideas for things. And when you get an idea for something in these practices, take intuitive action right away. So you are certified in nutrition and you are a CrossFit coach. How did you get into fitness and health? Like, I know you're like super into that. So it's like your thing. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us like why or how did you get into that? Yeah. I. Wow. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, for me, I've been a very active kid my entire life. I, from the time I was like a little kid, I was probably a nightmare for my mom who had narcolepsy and needed to take naps during the day. But I've always just had a lot of energy. I've needed to move. Uh, so for me, it comes to me naturally. You know, I've met people over my life that they say it's just hard for them to get themselves in the gym. It's just not in their... Yeah, that's exactly me. I mean, I don't think I wake up every day and I'm like, I want to go work out. I'm just like, I just want to chill. You know, and I wish I had that in me. Like, I feel like you have that drive where you're just like always wanting to get up and move and do things. And I think I get spurts of that every now and then for sure of like, okay, I need to move or I want to go outside and things like that. But like, yeah, like how do you have this drive and how can we all just have it? Cause I, I want it. <laughs> yeah. And I think dating you is really great because then I get to make sure I'm always active and go to the gym or go on a hike or do something out in nature for sure. Yeah. You know, uh, there's definitely some cultivation to it. I think it's one of those things that the more you do it, the more you crave doing it for sure. Like a lot of things are, uh, for me, like I said, it was always just kind of within me. So what, how that led me down this path of like getting more interested in nutrition and fitness and how that affects our lives in much deeper ways to, uh, just came over the years. I, I stumbled into CrossFit as I was traveling the world for some work projects and I knew there was this community aspect to it. So I first did it back in 2013 when I moved down to Mexico and I met some lifelong friends that I still see every time I go to Mexico. And I'm so proud to say that before we met, I started getting into CrossFit and I started getting private lessons in Ocean Beach with one of my friends. And yeah. So when I met you, I was like, oh yeah, I know how to do a hang clean. I know how to do deadlifts. Check <laughs> this out. And it's like literally just the bar and like five pounds on each side. But you know, my form is really good. You do have really good form. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love that you love them. Like you, you always ask me what the workout is if you want to go and then you like don't want to go unless it has hang clean. So yeah. I feel like that's your favorite thing. I know it really is. <laughs> and they barely ever do that. But yeah. anyways, I feel like the fitness part makes sense. I feel like a lot of guys are into like lifting and working out and being active and stuff. Maybe that's like the testosterone part, but the nutrition piece, like how did you get into that? Like, does that mean you are just like this magical, amazing chef or what? <laughs> I think my cooking skills have definitely improved in the last couple of years. Uh, for me, I think it goes back to this sort of like interest in, yeah, we'll call it biohacking, but I think it's like, as I've gotten older, I've gotten this better understanding of 
want or wanting to know how the things that I'm doing affect how I feel. So there were periods in my life when I feel like I just kind of had the blinders on and I wasn't really paying attention necessarily that much to what I was eating or how I was sleeping or doing certain things. And I would say during a lot of those periods of my life, I didn't feel right. You know, I've had times where I've felt like I didn't have access to my brain, like I wasn't able to remember things so well. I was going to doctors to see if there was something wrong with my brain. Uh, you know, I've had different periods where I was on different medications to deal with things because I was having anxiety or I was depressed or whatever. And I think I, about five years ago, really just wanted to start figuring out like, okay, why is this? What are the different things that I'm doing that are affecting the way that I feel? So obviously food is one of the biggest things that's going to affect the way that we feel. It's, tr mm -hmm. it's literally energy. I mean, everything around us and everything that we are is energy and everything that we eat came from something else that was living at some point, or at least it should have for eating all this processed food that you can't even somehow intuitively understand how it once was a living thing, yep. whether a plant or animal, that energy is going to transfer into your body too. And of course you're not going to feel right. So yeah. for me, it just came from really wanting to understand how I could make myself feel the best that I could possibly feel. And the more that I understood it for myself, the more I wanted to share it with others too. Yeah. And would you say that you are eating like keto or paleo or? I try to actually stay away from those labels. I think one of the biggest problems and one of the biggest things uh, that becomes so contentious within the world of nutrition is all these labels that people want to like put themselves in some camp or category of what they are that, yeah, they're either carnivore or they're vegetarian or they're vegan or they're paleo or whatever it is. For me, it really boils down to trying to eat as much as you can real whole foods that again, you have some sort of innate or intuitive understanding mm -hmm. of what it was in its original form and that it was alive. So again, that could be plants, that could be animals, but you should be able to like look at a food or be told what a food is and somehow know pretty quickly relate it back to its living form. Yeah. And people call that intuitive eating, right? Can you explain really quick, like what intuitive eating is? Yeah. I mean, again, I think there's kind of like various definitions across that. Uh, some people it, talk about intuitive eating in just actually kind of like having this sense of like what macronutrients their body's craving. So your three macro macronutrients are protein, fat, and carbohydrates. If you're looking at all foods, they all essentially fall into one of those categories dominantly, although a lot of foods have all three of those categories across them. Some people uh, talking about intuitive eating just know intuitively or have this sense of like, oh, I know I need protein right now, or I know I specifically need animal protein right now, mm -hmm. like red meat versus protein from say beans, legumes, uh, nuts, something else. Um, intuitive eating also though, yes, I think is getting to this point that you're, you're listening to your body and rather than following some rigid, uh, or strict paradigm or name of some diet, you get in touch with what your body's craving and what you feel from nature you should be eating. Yeah. And I think that's something that I've definitely picked up in the past year of being more aware of my period and my cycle and 
if I'm craving meat like the week before my period or the week of my period to like listen to that and to follow that. And I think, you know, I was raised Seventh-day Adventist and mostly ate vegetarian and vegan growing up. And I don't know, I think like eating meat, a lot of meat or incorporating more meat in my life, I've always like felt guilt or like shame around that. And I think that is where the intuitive eating comes into play. Cause it's like, okay, is this actually coming from shame or is this coming like, I should be doing this. I should be vegan. Or is it like, like being able to, to dis- differentiate, like, is this something my body's actually craving right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's what's so key. I think, you know, again, what happens for a lot of people is they'll, they'll try a new, quote unquote diet, you know, and go back to these name terms, say they, they go, um, keto or carnivore. And because you are mixing it up compared to what you've done for your whole life, a lot of people get these really amazing benefits right out of the gate. So by, again, let's just take keto or carnivore. You're dropping all your carbs, you're increasing your fat, you're suddenly running all your energy systems on ketones instead of glucose these are pretty technical if you don't, if this isn't your world, but you're going to feel these, you're going to feel amazing energy. You're going to be losing weight. You're going to be having all these amazing benefits. And because of that, you're going to get addicted to it. And you're going to think, oh my God, this is the, this is the magic pill. This is the cure. This is what I need to be doing. But whether it's uh, keto or carnivore, vegan, any of these things, a lot of times after 12 weeks, a few months, the effects kind of wear off because you're not necessarily getting this broad spectrum of macro and micronutrients that your body needs. So getting back to this intuitive place of being like, okay, what actually makes me feel good? That's what we should all be striving for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And okay, so, and you are, you are also breathwork certified. Yes, and I'm so curious, how did you get into breathwork? <laughs> I don't know. You might've had something to do with it. Uh, yeah. So for those of you that don't know Rave and I's story of how we met or how I got into breath work, they are very kind of intricately intertwined. So, uh, I was kind of nomading around for most of 2020 after getting COVID very early and building out a van. I drove across the country. I'd gone up to Canada. I had come out here to Maui to visit my good friends, Oliver and Katie. And then I decided to go essentially straight from Maui to Sayulita, Mexico to meet two other dear friends of mine from Italy, Nick and Sarah. And while I was in Sayulita, I decided to get on the Hinge dating app. That was in San Diego when I found your ass. Yeah, I think literally the, the same day after I like activated that, we started talking. But Boom! <laughs> anyway, so I was already in Sayulita. Uh, Rave had, had gone to Sayulita about a month before for a solo trip at the end of 2020, I guess that would have been, yeah. 2021. I don't even know. 2020, because we met over two years ago. Yeah, yeah. So she was going to be going back to Sayulita with two of her good friends. This was again uh, during that point in COVID where almost everybody was working remotely. Mm -hmm. So they were going to take advantage of that and go spend a month down in Sayulita. Yeah, and the world was like shut down, but Sayulita was just pretending that COVID didn't exist and like (laughs) restaurants were open. No one was wearing any masks. I mean, it was just like nice to like get a little break from 
COVID land, you know? And again, both uh, Rave and I had already had COVID at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know where this would have been in terms of of vaccines or whatnot, but we had both already had COVID. And uh, so it felt safe for us to kind of be in places where there weren't as many restrictions and whatnot. Yeah, and everything was outside. Yeah. And it was beautiful. So anyway, so Rave, in anticipation of going back to Sayulita, decided to hop onto her Hinge app, and <laughs> her location was still down in Sayulita from when she had been there about a month before. And lo and behold, I was the first person to pop up on her on her hinge. And we had so many things in common from the little prompts, uh, kind of about what we were looking for in a partner and everything else that uh, Rave decided to be courageous and reach out and leave me a comment or a message. Mm. I honestly don't even know how it works, but you were the first one to reach out. And yeah, I... You know, got the message, was uh, a little bit like shocked and surprised to see that pretty much my first interaction on there since like opening it up for myself down there was this beautiful human (laughs) who I yet to meet. And so we started chatting on there. And I think pretty quickly within a day or so, I I asked uh, to move the conversation over to WhatsApp and not be talking on the app. And then I think by day two, we set up a Zoom date, Mm -hmm. which was, I know, a first for me. I think it was a first for you, too, Mm -hmm. although I had kind of like heard about these Zoom dates during the the COVID era. Yeah, you were brave to ask for that. I was like, huh? Oh, shoot. So we had a little Zoom date. Um, and then we kind of had been talking on the phone. So this was like a full two weeks, I think, before you were going to come down to Sayulita yourself. I was actually originally planned to be leaving Sayulita the day before you were planning to get there. And one of the reasons you couldn't come earlier was you had a community online breathwork session that you were going to lead the day before coming down. So mm-hmm. this would have been, I think, January 31st, yeah. 2021. And I had never done breath work. I think I had heard of it or yeah, I'd done, you know, yoga, I'd done pranayama breathing. I had done things that were intentionally paying attention to my breath, but I had not done this three part circular conscious connected breathing that I would come to be aware of. So, oh, and by the way, so my best friend Yaz, who I also interview on my podcast, she was in Sayulita before I ended up getting there. So she was in Sayulita the same time Dana was there. And again, this is COVID times and Yaz had not seen anybody, hadn't seen too many people because of COVID. And I was like, go meet him, go surf or go do yoga. He seems really cool. He's with some other friends and some other people. They're going, they're going to like go surf and they're going to some volleyball event or something like that and I was like just go meet up with him and say hi and you know she wanted to make sure she wasn't getting catfished yeah I was like go see if he's cute <laughs> make sure he's actually the height that he says he is you know just like go just go check it out from a, you know what I'm saying so she actually met Dana before my best friend met Dana before I got to meet him in person <laughs> And they really got along. She said that he was so easy to talk to. And I think they were talking about the same, I don't know, Eckhart Tolle, Power of Now books or something like that. And yeah, I got the thumbs up from her, which is super cool. So yeah, the day that I had my breathwork class, of course, my best friend Yaz is attending my breathwork class. 
And then Dana, you want to explain that you were also like, okay, I guess I'll give this breathwork thing a try. And then you were logging on to Zoom and in yeah. your apartment in Sayulita. But then, of course, Mexico Wi-Fi was kind of shitty. So what did you do? Yeah, so like <laughs> 10 minutes before I tried to log on and the Airbnb I was staying, the Wi-Fi was just total crap. I wasn't going to be able to do it. It was The sound was delayed, everything. So I messaged Yaz to see if, I, if she was going to do it. She told me I could come over to her place. So we were... Probably about a 10-minute walk apart in Sayulita. So I took off running to get to her place uh, before the breathwork was going to start. And the very last stretch to get to where they were staying at the time was up probably the steepest hill in Sayulita. Just all dirt roads. All too. dirt road. <laughs> no cement so roads. So I'm like running through town and then had to like sprint up this hill to get there. And I get inside like two minutes before it's going to start. I'm out of breath. I'm sweating. I And then <laughs> we didn't have any other way of... Uh, putting the sound on anything. So yeah, usually just... I have people, I, you know, a virtual breathwork class is really potent when you can, of course, hear my voice, me guiding you in the breathwork, but also the music is a really big part of the breathwork ceremony. So I usually encourage people to have headphones on and test their sound before the class and all of that. But then they ended up telling me, you know, of course, after the class that they did my breathwork class on Zoom together with no headphones and not even on a computer. I think you guys did the breathwork class on a phone. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh, my gosh, did you even have a good experience? So, like, how was that your first time? Yeah, I, I would say I did have a, a cool experience. Yeah, I mean, I think I've since had uh, more profound experiences for sure. It was like kind of like rushed going into it. And again, just it being my first experience. But you guys were like laying on the floor of her apartment. Yeah. Trying to get into my breathwork class. Yeah. See, but- commitment, guys. Before, <laughs> before he even met me. <laughs> but yeah, I still had this kind of profound experience. It was something surely I'd never experienced before. And it left me curious and wanting to know more for sure not only about the breathwork itself but what could be untapped with it and then uh only certainly increased my curiosity about meeting this human who had just guided us through it too who i then got to meet the next day so yeah from there uh got to experience a lot more breathwork seeing rave guide it for other people being part of those sessions uh and eventually went and became certified myself through some of Rave's early mentors in the breathwork space as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It is pouring rain in Maui all of a sudden right now. And wow. Holy crap. Which is not that common. This no. Time of year. What is yeah, happening right now? This is probably right only now. the third time, I think, since we've been here. It's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is so exciting is we met in Sayulita before we even met. He did my breathwork class. And two years later, almost. Two years later, it's going to be our two-year anniversary in February 2023, right? Mm, two years? Yeah. It feels like it's been longer, but it also feels like it's been like two days. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we are going to be moving back to Sayulita in February, and hopefully we'll land there on our anniversary and get to celebrate and reminisce and just explore the little town of where we met. Um, and then in March... We are going to be hosting our first breathwork retreat together in Sayulita. And it's going to have 
breath work. There's going to be two hypno breath work sessions and then two Wim Hof style slash cold plunge. Contrast. We're going to do contrast We're going to do cold. We're going to do some breath. We're going to do it all. Oh my gosh. And the venue is so beautiful. We're going to link everything in the show notes. You are so invited. It's March. What is it? March 16 to 20, 21. Five days, four nights at luxury accommodations at this beautiful retreat called La Jolla. And there's going to be breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I think it's all like organic, wild and grass-fed local ingredients, which is very important to us, obviously, after listening to this podcast. Yeah, all the rooms have panoramic ocean views, Mm -hmm. terrace, king beds. It's lovely. Yeah, Yeah. and sauna, yeah, cold plunge, of course. So we're going to be guiding... Whoever comes on this retreat first through breath work, and then we're going to be doing cold plunges. And I think you're also going to be doing a wellness yeah. class and we're talking gonna, about you know biohacking talk. and nutrition and all of that, right? Mm-hmm. And there's other surprises too that we're not going to mention here, but other immersive experiences too to really tap into your body, tap into your intuition, regulate your nervous system. Yeah. It's going to be great. Oh my gosh. It's going to be so much fun. And of course, spaces are limited. And if you are interested, send us a message on Instagram. We're definitely going to have the show notes, a link in the show notes so you guys can check it out, feel out the vibe, see if it works in your schedule and join us. We would love to have you. Absolutely. And so why is this so important for us? Do we want to talk about how like this is like our absolute dream to like own a retreat center someday? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think it it certainly seems like at least within the people that we keep meeting that, uh, people are looking for community. Mm -hmm. People are looking for uh, a place and a way and people to connect with in a way that seems to not exist for so many people anymore. And we love to bring people together. We love bringing people together. Yeah. And you know, I, I I think so many of us, one of the things that Rave and I also bond over is we, we grew up in very Christian religious homes that, Mm. uh, in a lot of ways we felt sort of, uh, let us down or, or created shame within us around a lot of things. And, and at some point we both decided to kind of like walk away from that community And although I both think now we're really honing this side of spirituality and getting in touch with God in ways that we maybe for a while had like shut down, we have this like bonded trauma experience a little bit Mm -hmm. over our upbringing. And I feel like a lot of people that we know kind of have some level of that too. Yeah. They grow up in one certain way or another and, and things shift as you grow, grow older and, and grow apart from those traditions. But yeah, and I think what's so great about the way that I was raised specifically is the community gathering and having meals together and, you know, also having that faith together. Mm-hmm. So we have been talking a lot about, you know, how do we recreate that? That is not necessarily under the organized religion, I guess. Just basically not under any type of religion. And how can we create that space where we can eat together and breathe together and work on ourselves and grow and try to be the best humans we can. And also, you know, believe, believe in something bigger than ourselves and have a purpose that's bigger than just this human body. Mm -hmm. So I think if we were to be able to own a retreat center someday, that would be so amazing. Yeah. Manifesting it. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what we're trying to create now. I mean, we, we try to intentionally live our lives in a way that uh, 
other people can see that for themselves too. And that they would want to be around that. They would want to be part of that energy. Like we hope that the way we live our lives kind of puts off this infectious energy that makes other people see what's possible for them too. And one of the ways that we can really create this like deep sense of community and companionship within each other is to do things that uh, put us into peak states together. Mm -hmm. So whenever we're doing any of these things kind of back to this uh, biohacking or tapping into our um, neurobiology is that's putting us into these peak states, whether it's breath work, whether it's meditation, whether it's cold plunge, any of these things that's causing these neurochemicals to release that are similar to when we, uh, do other things like, uh, psychedelics, things like that. And the more that we do that together, the more we're able to tap into this level of bonding and connection that you don't access when you're just in your default mode network going through your day-to-day -day life. So it's our goal to really create these kind of like moments and places and experiences that can create a sense of community that I feel like a lot of us lack after you walk away from something like a traditional uh, religion or something like that. Yeah. And I think there's so much power, you know, whether it's just in life and friendships or in business to be around other humans who desire to become the best versions of themselves, you know, and who are mm -hmm. always striving to work harder, play, play hard in in a healthy way, you know, not just like a party way, which is, I think what both of us used to do a lot of. Yeah. And I think it's like, okay, now we're trying to find community in a way that's not in the church and then also not in partying, which I think both of those things in different ways can be really easy to gravitate back into that. And it's like, how, how can we create community in a way that's healthy and will be long lasting? Yeah. <laughs> Part of it's still, still a mystery. It's unfolding before us, but I think we're, you know, we're taking the right steps and we're surrounding ourselves with the right people that want want those things too so yeah mm -hmm. yeah well thank you so much for being on my podcast how can people connect with you how can people message you and possibly work with you yeah uh you can find me on instagram my uh instagram handle is i am dana head yes that's my name dana head it's <laughs> uh i post on there sometimes but that's probably the best way to reach out to me if, mostly uh, of me and with us doing ice baths basically yeah ice baths <laughs> and mostly of rave and yeah but that's uh probably the best way to reach out to kind of like learn about my world yes i do uh personal training crossfit coaching i guest spotlight crossfit coach at gyms depending on where i'm where i'm at uh, if we're and back in San Diego, I actually do yeah, a whole immersive program through our garage gym that involves a bit of personal training, breath work, nutrition, counseling. You can work with me online. You can find a link in my bio for that as well. Uh, but I'll, you know, if you just have any questions to reach out, ask me a question, uh, send me a direct message, happy to chat about anything, any of these topics. And yeah, if you're ever in or around our world where we are, you know, we, we love continuing to make new friends and building new community yeah and retreat leader now and retreat Woo! leader yeah here we go so if you want to join us on our retreat in sayulita in march hit us up the link will be in the show notes and yeah thank you so much yeah babe. thank you i love you i love you too let's make some breakfast yeah I'm definitely <laughs> 
If this episode served you, please share. Send it to someone. It could help them heal or create a new perspective in their life. I love when you share on social media, take a screenshot, tag me on Instagram, rave underscore read. And if you feel called to share something you learned or loved from this episode, it would mean so much to me. And please reach out to me personally, send me a message and let me know how this is resonating with you. Thank you so much for your support. Consider subscribing to this podcast, leaving me a five star review so we can continue to grow and up level together. I appreciate you and see you in the next episode.